Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise God. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24. In case you're wondering if why some people are standing, we stand in honor of God's word. When we read our text on Sunday morning, it is vitally important that you hear from God today. The responsibility of the ministry is to feed the flock. Sheep need twice as much as lambs, and so today you need a good meal. Anybody hungry today? Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to preach the greatest message I've ever preached. And if you, don't, if you don't go to the pulpit with that kind of an attitude, you should sit down. Well, I'm preach the greatest message I've ever preached. It's going to bless your soul. I'm here to help you. I'm here to encourage you. Tell you Jesus loves you. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read four verses. Verse 24, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and here's a big part, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rains descended. How many remember the rain yesterday and days before? The floods came. We've got some flooding. The winds blew. Can I get an amen? amen? It beat upon that house, but it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The house represents your life. The rain, the floods, the wind represent difficulty that will come against your house. But if you're founded upon the rock, Christ Jesus, if you've got a good foundation, if you're anchored, your house will not come down. It will not be washed away. It will stand. If you do these sayings of mine, Jesus said. And so today, for a few minutes, I want to preach on this subject. Before God does, I do. Before God does, I do. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Sister Bauer. How many of you have ever heard the tomb supernatural? We use that a lot, don't we? The supernatural. Everybody's interested in the supernatural. Let me tell you what I believe the supernatural is. I believe the super is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything you see, everything you can't see, for as far as time and eternity go, have been created by God, that is super. 
what a super earth we have. I know you can see out the windows. Go ahead and take a look. Look at green trees and green grass and, and sunshine and wind and flowers. and Super, isn't it? He's the creator of the earth. And as the creator of the earth, he created the first institution, which is marriage. And he created family. Isn't marriage and family super? And then he came along and he started to relate with mankind and formed a relationship with Adam and with Eve and the rest of his creation that would respond to his appeals. And that's a super opportunity. And then God said, I'm going to have a people for myself. And he called out a man by the name of Abram, later changed his name to Abraham, and formed a great nation called Israel. And they became his unique people. And the entire Old Testament talks about the history of Israel and all the things that God did for Israel. His provision, his protection, his anointing, his giving of the prophets and giving of the law and revealing his will for Israel. And that is super. And then along comes the manifestation of God in the flesh. We know him as Jesus. He is the Christ and the Messiah. And God manifested in the flesh, revealed and explained things that were difficult to understand in the Old Testament, revealed the love of God, made the sacrifice for man's sin, men and women, boys and girls, and died on a cross so that you wouldn't have to be lost. That is super. And God has done all of that without your help, without your assistance. But after Calvary, the natural comes to our lives. God has already done the super. Now we get to do the natural. And the natural is to do God's will. We now have the opportunity, after all of that the super has done, to know the word of God. The word of God. The mercy and the salvation of Calvary. And the power of God's spirit through this new birth experience. And that is part of the supernatural. Because the natural has now met the super. And our lives have been changed by what God does. And from this point forward, what we do. And you say, well, that, that, that word super, you keep throwing it around, but, but what is lacking? What is lacking in our society? Maybe you're even asking, what is lacking in my life? Why isn't there more supernatural things taking place in me? Well, I believe what is lacking is that we are lacking the do. The D-O, not the D-U-E, not the D-E-W, but the D-O. The do is very important to Jesus. After all that we've talked about in the super, now comes the natural, and the natural involves the do. God wants us to do, to do.
Take a look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. What think ye a certain man had two sons? He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and he went. He came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered very politely, I go, sir. But he went not. Which of the two did his father's will? The one that repented and the one that did. He repented and he did. We've already read from Matthew 7, 24 about a wise man that did what he was instructed to do. Luke 6 and 46, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not the things which I say? Don't call me Lord, and then you don't do. And here's my favorite verse of scripture in the Bible, and I I hope I'm not wearing it out in your life, but I just am so impressed by this verse of scripture in Micah 6 and 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee but to do There it is, number one on the hit list. To do what? To do justly. Just as if God was watching. Just as if God was aware of what you say. Just as if God was observing what you're doing. To do justly, do the right thing. Well, they didn't do the right thing, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's between them and God. What's between you and God is the to-do justly. Can I get an amen? We need to, as Christians, do justly. I I loved it when we went through this time where they had WWJD. What would Jesus do? Hey, we need to ask that question of ourselves. What would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do when he was wronged? And then he said, to love mercy. Well, I love mercy for me. Well, do you love mercy for someone else? Are you willing to give them what you need on a daily? How many need mercy every day? My hands, both my hands are up. I gotta wear this stinking flesh just like you do. Thoughts or words or actions, I need mercy. And and mercy isn't, it's not cheap mercy or cheap grace. It's not a license to do wrong. But I still make mistakes. Can I get an amen? amen? I still make mistakes. And when I do, it's good to know that if I do the right thing, if I do justly, and I go to God and I say, God, I've messed up again. I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me and help me to live repentance and overcome this fault or this failure in my life? It's good to know I can find mercy, which endures forever. And to walk humbly, to do, to love, and to walk. That's what God wants from me. And it all starts with to do, to do. God is looking for the natural super in us. 
He provides the supernatural. We provide the natural, and he still provides this. Watch this process. Here's just a few examples I thought of when, when I was preparing this message. We believe, and he relieves. We ask, and he does. We pray, and he answers. We worship, and he arrives. We repent, and he forgives. We obey, and he remits. We seek, and he fills. We give, and he provides. Do I need to go on? Are you getting the point? God expects some things of us. There is a to-do list. There is a to-do list that God has for us. But when we do our part, God is very quick to respond. He'll meet you more than halfway. Meet you more than halfway. I want to ask a question that's a very sobering question in this message. What would happen if I didn't do what God asked me to do? What would have happened? Let me, t- let me take you to Lazarus for a minute. Let's go to Lazarus. Jesus said, I'm going to call him out. I'm the resurrection. I can do that. And then he says, I want you to move a stone. Take that stone away from the mouth of the cave that he's in. You go move it. Wait a minute, Jesus. If you're such a great, I'm, I'm saying this respectfully, Lord, please, you know. Lord, if you're so super, why don't you move the stone? Why don't you resurrect them? Why don't you dress them? Why, why don't you do it all? Because there's a part for you on either side of a miracle. There's a part for us that we have to do. And he's saying, if you really believe I can do this, then this is what I want you to do. I don't care how many of you it takes, get over there and move the stone. Okay, Jesus, we want to see the super. So they get over there and they move that stone out of the way and he does the hard part. He resurrects a man that's been dead for four days. The guy comes out of the grave. He's all right. He stinks. Hey, can I tell you something? God can work through your stink. When we come to God, we all stink. When we sin, we all stink. Well, God can't work in that kind of an atmosphere. He needs a sweet-smelling Savior. No, he'll even work through the stink. He'll do the miraculous if you'll do what he asks you to do. Move a stone, and I'll show you what I can do. I'll show you the super. I'll show you the miraculous. And then he says, well, there's one more thing I'd like you boys to do. Loose him and let him go. Unwrap him. Well, can't you do that, Jesus? Sure I could. But you have a part on both sides of a miracle. Move a stone, let him go. That's the way Jesus, you know what? And if you take a look at the miraculous in every case, we have a part that needs to be done. We want people to be healed, right? But what about a prayer of faith? Let me give you, I'm going to skip here because I, I, I want to get to what I'm, I saw some things here that just excited me. So, 
John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, I, I'm just so excited that I, you, can, you can read it. I'm going to preach it, okay? I'm not going to read the scripture. I, you can read it. You can follow me if you want to. Here's what happens. Jesus looks out, and he sees this multitude of people. And he says to the disciples, how much would it cost to feed the whole bunch? And if you read it carefully, he will say, he did this to prove them, knowing what he was going to do. Now, that's what the scripture said. He knew what he was going to do, but he was proving them. And the disciples said, well, Jesus, how many months? Somebody that's there, tell me. How many months of work would they have to do? Okay, a half a year's wages. Thank you. Half a year's wages. We'd have to work for six months to give everybody a bite. And Jesus smiled. He said, and if you compare all of them, not just this one, but you compare all of the accounts, he said, now I want you to go out amongst the people and I want you to tell them that the master needs any food that they have. And so the disciples disperse themselves and they start shouting because there's, there's 5,000 men, maybe 20,000 people, if you have a wife and a couple kids, maybe 20,000 people that day, and they have to start shouting, the master is asking for any food that you have. 20,000 people. One boy comes with his lunch. And Peter, I, I think it's Peter, Peter comes to Jesus and said, well, Jesus, this is all we can find. One boy has donated his lunch, bread and a few fish. And what is that amongst so many? There's where we are. There's, the master asks us for things. There are some things on our to-do list. God might ask you to sing in the choir. Well, I'm not going to do that. God might ask you to teach a Sunday school class. I'm not going to do that. There's other people that are more qualified than I am. They're smarter. They've been in the church longer. That's their gifting. I don't have that gifting. God wouldn't ask you to do something that he wasn't going to bless you and gift you in. We can even get that way in our giving, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to give an offering. I mean, what's my little tithe? What's my little offering for such great needs? Oh, they can get along without that. Can I, can I vent a little bit? 20,000 people, I find it extremely, extremely difficult to believe that out of 20,000 people, only one person had any food. I believe there were hoarders in the crowd. I believe they had something in their purse, something in their bag, something that they had stashed. They had saved it for such a time as when there was nothing and everybody else was hungry. They were going to sneak off in a corner and they were going to eat by themselves. They had something, but they weren't willing to give it. But one boy, who are we going to remember out of 20,000 people? We're going to remember one boy. 
And that's what Jesus is going to remember. And when I got that attitude that I just demonstrated, which was not godly, the Lord said to me, you're missing the point. I didn't rebuke anybody, did I? He didn't stand before the multitude and say, shame on you. I asked for something and only one of you gave me anything. He didn't say that. He just said, thanks, son. Thanks for the lunch. We get, you got to get this. We do not tithe. We do not give to abundant life. You do not serve Pastor Kylie. You do not serve abundant life. You serve through Pastor Kylie. You serve through abundant life. You give through abundant life. You're given to Jesus. That's his business. We're giving what is his. And if this is what he wants, we're the multitude. We're the multitude. Hey, we took an offering this morning. You're not all going to give the same amount, but give what I ask you to give. Because you want the supernatural, I'm requiring the natural. Okay, so now, now I'll get off of that. So now he's got this lunch in his hands. And he says, okay, I'm going to bless this. He takes what is given to him and he blesses it. And then after he blesses it, he breaks it and he tears off a hunk. Andrew, you take this and go over to that group. We got them sitting down in 50s like I told you, right? Yeah, they're in 50s, okay. You take yours and you go over there. Peter, here, and he's ripping it off. They were surprised that he was even able to rip it into 12 pieces. And he says, don't eat any of it. But when they come, you tear it off and you feed them. He blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it to the disciples and the disciples make sure that everybody's eaten and then he says, okay, now we'll eat. And they all eat and some of them might have come back for seconds. The ones that had food in their pockets were still trying to get everything they could from Jesus. Hey, I can't control what other people do but I can control what I do. I can't control other attitudes, but I can control my attitude. I can't control somebody else's mouth, but I can control. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so everybody gets fed. And then he says, go gather up the fragments. And so each of them get a basket and they go out and start gathering and every one of them ends up with a full basket. Isn't that great? wants to bless his people but we have to do and you know what I'll give you another let me shift this just a little bit I'll give you another angle from this we're the bread think of it this way when we first came to God stinking as I mentioned earlier when we came to God stinking 
We gave what we had, just like the boys' lunch. And everybody says, you're not significant. What is your life? What could God ever do with one life when there's six billion people in the world? You make too much of yourself. You're nothing. You're not enough. You're talking just like the disciples did. We are enough because when we put something in God's hands, it's now in the hands of the supernatural. It now can be blessed. It will be broken and it will be distributed so that people have something to eat. Thank God for teachers. Thank God for preachers that break the word and give it to somebody else. Well, I'm not qualified, I'm not holy enough, I'm, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not gifted enough. Do what you can do. Let God keep score. Be willing to be, oh, we all wanna be blessed, but be willing to be broken and be willing to distribute. God doesn't give us sermons and Bible studies and, and all of this word just for ourselves so that we can be baby Hueys but so that we can give like the disciples did. Bust it off and share it. Bust it off and share it. There's a time to believe and there's a time to do. Can I get an amen? amen. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a chance and I'm gonna tell you a story today that is pretty embarrassing to me but maybe it'll help somebody else. When I first became a, well, we didn't even know what a home missionary was in 1978. We, we just started works. We started this work and we had some wonderful people. Thank God for the Hickey family. The Hickey family, founding family in the church. And thank God for the Lowersdorf family and their faithfulness and their children and now their grandchildren. And, and those are just two of the families, but we had 18 people when we started out. Men and women, boys and girls, pregnant ladies. 18 people. And we, we did everything we could to teach home Bible studies. And you know what? By the end of our first year, we went from 18 to 40. That's pretty good. 18 to 40. But when we got to 40... And this is from an unexperienced preacher. The year before I came to Abundant Life, I spoke for eight minutes. One time for eight minutes. I didn't have very, I'm still not a very good preacher, but I was even less of a preacher back then. And they put up with me and my inabilities and God blessed. Sometimes God blesses in spite of us. But we went from 18 to 40. But when we got to 40, we stopped growing. And since we had 40, we had, we had a family in our church. I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, but we had a family in our church, and they had this big garage. And they said, you know what? We would like to give something to God. We would like to give our big garage. And so we took this big garage, 
And we cleaned it up and we drywalled it and we carpeted it and we put nice fixtures and furniture in it. And boy, if you didn't know it was a garage before you got in there, you'd say, wow, what a great building. And we met in this garage. And like I said, when we got to 40, we stopped growing and I could not figure out what was going on. Then one day, Sister Hickey came to me. She said, you know, I I really hate to tell you this. I know it's going to ruin your day, but there's division in the camp. People are talking bad about you. And when you leave here on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, and you think that they're just staying in fellowship and drinking coffee, they're doing a lot more than that. And that really bothered me. So first thing I did is I went to prayer about it. I said, God, what should I do? And I didn't feel I had any direction. And so I made some big mistakes. I said, all right, that's the way it's going to be. I'm going to preach about authority. Obey those that have the rule over you, for they watch for your soul, as they must give an account. And I'm preaching this. Let me tell you something about preaching. Whatever you preach, you get more of it. If you preach negatively, more negativity. I didn't know that. I was a novice. And I was, uh, before I came to know the Lord, let me, let me just take a break from this story and, and give you a side note so, so the story will make more sense. Before I knew the Lord, I was just a hot-headed Irishman. Had a terrible temper, a vulgar mouth, would get into, f- I looked for fights. I enjoyed fighting. I had road rage before they even knew what road rage was. I knew sign language. I I don't know how many relationships I may have hurt with this angry attitude and the ability to intimidate people with the volume of your voice or the harshness of your words. And when God saved me, this is the truth before God. When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I never had another problem with swearing. I cannot remember one time in my life since I've received the Holy Ghost that I ever swore. Because God did the super. Not because I got control of my mouth. It was the super of God. It's like he reached in and said, "Ah!" we'll take that out. I even asked him one time, why'd you do that? He said, because that was so deep in you, you'd have never overcome it. So I had to take care of it for you. And I remembered that and I said, I don't ever want to be that person again. I don't want to be a hothead, vulgar, intimidating person. Okay, now that you know that, let's go back to the story. So this spirit came over me. I wanted God to do some things and God was doing nothing. Then after a, after a period of time, I got sick. And I went to the doctor. And I, I didn't tell the doctor who I was. I just went to the doctor. I said, doctor, my name's Rick. I'm not feeling well. Where's it hurt? I told him. He said, okay, we're going to do some tests. He come back and he said, you have an ulcer. He said, my suggestion to you is, whatever you do for a living, find another line of work. (laughs) 
Well, I didn't take that advice, but I was sick. And everywhere I went, Brother Brown, everywhere I went, the spirit was on me. Fear, worry, anger trying to creep in. Find out who they are and go get them. No, God, I'm not going to do that. And, and some of my friends in the church said, I think Brother Hickey was the ringleader. Brother Hickey said, you know what, Brother Kylie, we can see this on you. You need to get out of here. Let's go to Thunder Bay. Let's go to Canada. Let's go fishing. Okay. So we're on our way to Canada, and this spirit is still on me. I mean, I can't get away from it. I used to walk the streets at night of Oconomowoc and beg God to do something, and he did nothing. And so I get to Canada, and it's still on me. I, this spirit even crossed the border. And I said to the guys, I said, you know what, guys? I am no fun to be with. I said, why don't you guys go fishing and have your fun, and I'm going to go for a walk with Jesus. And I had made up my mind this was it. I could not take any more. And so I got out on this dirty, dusty road while the other guys went fishing, and I said, God, please don't strike me dead, but I have to say some things to you. And this is what I said. I said, God, when people rebelled against Moses, you opened up the earth, you swallowed them. You gave them leprosy. And you know what you're doing for me? You ain't doing nothing. You're not handling this situation. I'm waiting, this is my words, I'm waiting for you to do something. And then God spoke. Really? I'm waiting for you to do something. Now, I can hold conversations in my mind. You might think I'm loony, but that's, God works that way with me. I don't know why. Maybe it's I'm just so simple. I have to have simple things. So God and I are holding this conversation. I said, now, how do I know this is God? He said, well, you brought up Moses. What did Moses have? I said, well, he had a staff. He said, didn't he have a rod? I said, yeah, he had a rod. He said, you know, Rick, you're real good with your staff. But every once in a while, you have to use the rod. I said, Lord, I'm afraid to use the rod. I know who I was. And I'm afraid to hit people with a rod. And he said, never get to the point you want to use the rod, but recognize when you need to use it. So I never want to use a rod on anybody. And some of you think I'm easy and I'm a nice guy and I'll tolerate anything. You're wrong. But I would prefer the staff to the rod. And the rod should only be used in the last case, not in the first. And if you can't use it for the right reason, then you shouldn't use it at all. Because you're being abusive. I said, all right, Lord, that's what you want, that's what I'll do. So that Sunday morning, we came back from Canada, and I got up, it was a 10 o'clock service, I'm in the garage, and I stood up before the congregation, all 40 of them, and I said, folks, I'm not going to be preaching today. I said, uh, I want to know 
how many of you are with me. If you're with me and I'm your pastor, then we're walking out that door right there. And if you're not with me, then you just stay right here. 18 people got up, walked out, 22 stayed behind, and we had to start all over again. Lost them all in one day. And then we had revival. Then we started growing again. Then we had a good spirit. Things worked out. It was, it was good. And the Lord spoke to me. I was, I was discouraged by that. And the Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said. I, I live by sayings that I believe God gives me. This is what he said. He said, tell the people that what they sow in the church, they will reap in their family. What they sow against authority, their authority will be, will be shown against as well. Do you know that every one of those families ended up in divorce? Except one, and that man died of cancer. That was over time. 20 years. I didn't want to do that, but I had to. 20 years later, we were in a service, and a man came to service. He came late. I noticed he came in while I, while I was preaching. He sat way in the back, and after service, he was there. He wasn't going to let me get past that door. And when I got to him, he said, can I meet with you for just a minute? I said, yes, sir. We went to my office. He said, you don't even know who I am, do you? I said, no, sir. He said, then let me introduce myself. My name is, what a coincidence that Michael brought this up today. My name is Charlie. We just prayed for a Charlie, didn't we? My name is Charlie. I was the first convert at Abundant Life. He said, I have since been divorced and I live in Arizona. And I drove from Arizona to come to your office and beg you for forgiveness. And he got on his knees right there in my office and I grabbed him and I lifted him back up. And I said, you don't get on your knees before a man. You stand up. He said, I'm here to ask for your forgiveness. Is there any way you can forgive me for what I did 20 years ago? I said, Charlie, I forgave you 20 years ago. You can't carry a grudge and unforgiveness. That's not what God would do. That only ruins you. You're only going to get an ulcer and get sick. And you're going to ruin yourself if you can't forgive people. You've got to let them go. And I realize now that people are going to hurt you. And here's the big question. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I think I've got a, I think I got a book over here I'd like to read. Let's stand together. We're the bride of Christ. We've had lots of weddings in this church over the years and I want you to know what the secret to a good marriage is. You ready for this nugget? You do 
what you said you were going to do. Isn't that deep? That is so deep. You do. You know what? You were not married to that person you married until the preacher asked you some questions and gave you the opportunity to say, I do. And if you don't say I do, I can't speak for another minister, but if you don't say I do and I'm the one that's marrying you, it ain't happening. Till you can figure out how to do what you're supposed to do. So if we're the bride of Christ, I'm gonna be the preacher today and you're gonna be the bride and I'm gonna ask you if you're willing to do these things to Jesus. Because before he does, before he comes and gets you and takes you away in the rapture of the church, before he ushers you into the marriage supper of the Lamb, we've got some things to do. So will you take unto you Jesus to be your wedded husband? Will you have him? Will you hold on to him from this day forward for better or for worse for richer or for poorer whether you get sick or you remain well will you love Jesus Will you cherish Jesus? Will you obey Jesus? Till death do you part. And you get to either remain silent and at the altar and unmarried, or you can lift your voice so that he can hear it and everybody else around you. Jesus, I do. I will. I won't give up on this marriage because before he does, he needs to hear you say, I do. Jesus, you're calling people to this altar today. We may feel like our little is not enough, but you took one boy's lunch. It was the principle of the thing. It was the willingness of one person that fed 20,000. Help us to be the one person that won't hoard what we have, but will do what you ask. Bringing ourselves, our talents, our time, and our money to the altar and saying, it's all yours, Jesus. We're all yours.
Bless us, break us, distribute us, that others will not lack. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.